0: Jason, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Jason, our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit, they are the home of Signature Series Shades. Oh,
1: hail those robot shade overlords.
0: That is the place to go if you are ready to turn your home into a smart home. It's going to help you save money. It's going to maybe help you save a life because they're the safe choice for your shades. You can add the safety. You can bring the energy
1: efficiency. You got your signature shades. Oh, boy, those are hard. That's a hard word to say. It's like a tongue twister in the middle of this ad. Signature series shades at Budget
0: Blinds of Summit. So if you are ready to make this your next stay-at-home project for your house, go see our friends at Budget Blinds. Right in the heart of downtown. Tell him Jason Nick said you.
1: Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Nobre, as and always, I am joined by a man who did not go to the lake this weekend. It's Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit.
0: First off, if I'm going to the lake, I'm not going to a pool.
1: That's true. I'm not going to a restaurant with a pool. I'm not doing any of those things. But look, I'm barely getting out. I'm i barely comfortable leaving my house at all, let alone like traveling all that distance and dealing with a whole bunch of other people. No, and thank you.
0: No, and, and like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. When we do go to the lake, we're on the way other side where there's not other people. Right. That's just you. That's my kind of lake. I like to disappear into the woods, man. That's, yeah, I prefer, I'm on a lake
1: that nobody else is at. I don't want to see people when I'm going out there and that sort of stuff. But there we go. That's all right. You know, that's, that's us. We, Nick and I, are taking a much slower approach to getting back out there in the, in the regular world. And that's fine. And Link to Lee Summit, as always, is the source for all the news you need about our very, very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today, our virtual board meetings. We are recording this late on a Tuesday before the Wednesday episode release. And uh, between the hosts, we've had three board of directors meetings via Zoom today. It's been something else.
0: Yeah, I, I, can, can I just say this? I think, I think I'm over Zoom calls. The novelty uh, is gone. Although, you know, I've used Zoom for a while.
1: Right. We used, we used Zoom way back. As, we were like Zoom hipsters.
0: Right, right. But no, I'm done now. It, yeah, I really no- thought you were going to make the unofficial sponsor, though. The fact that, you know, we liked to social distance before. Corona. (laughs) No, that's called being (laughs) antisocial. It's not social distance. That's just Uh. being, that's just being a jerk. (laughs) Hey, we're going to have a little bit of a short episode, Jason. We're just going to go through a few quick notes and then we're going to revisit a conversation with the LSR seven board of education's vice chair, Ryan Murdoch, and revisit that conversation where we talk a little bit about the upcoming bond issue. This is a big decision for voters coming, coming up. Whether or not to to extend this this bond to pay for some some big big changes and additions that are that are being asked for in the district.
1: That is correct, and we are going to on Friday. Then we're going to turn around, and you guys are and Nick is suffering through me coming onto the Friday show again. But I think we're going to do our big sort of overall wrap up and and preview of the election. So to cover all the last little bits and pieces before everyone goes to the polls or votes absentee ahead of time.
0: Well, and if you're wondering why we have taken the time to revisit all of these interviews, I mean, obviously a it's because we took, you know, a couple months off in between as, as the election day was, we've we've had eight weeks, but also um, look, Jason, you and I lament every election cycle that, Hey, we're lucky if we get into those, those low teens on, especially a non-presidential election. Uh, turnout right and now a lot of polling locations in our area have been moved so you may you may need be going somewhere else to vote than you normally do and our fear and i think it's i think it's a valid fear is that voter turnout might be even lower this time out right and, you you combine two three seats on the school board and three seats in the in the in the, in the well four seats sorry on the city council we also have a a tax issue at the municipal level and we've got a huge bond issue with the school district and to think that you know eight or ten percent might make the decision that's not good right you you combine the
1: the typical you know well, well this is technically the april election even though it'll be in june but you combine that typical municipal election turnout and then you delay it two months so people are off their schedule and then you add in I think the, the rightful fears and concerns can, uh, surrounding the continuing pandemic, as well as the shift in polling locations for a lot of the people who are voting, um, a lot of the churches that hold these things weren't comfortable or their spaces weren't large enough to give the right kind of distancing to deal with the safety protocols. It's a it's a real thing, and you're right. This If, if people don't make an effort to get out or you know go vote absentee or get those mailed in ballots or do whatever they need to do to get out and be safe and vote, Um, we're looking at a really, really small turnout. And that's not what we want to decide these things. We'd love to have, uh, I saw the statistic the other day, the city posted that 77% of the households in the city responded to the census in the first round, which is a really, it's amazingly large number to actually do that. We'd love to have that kind of a turnout for municipal elections. Um, We know we're not going to get that. But let's not cut it in half, even on the already low numbers that we, we traditionally see.
0: And while, you know, we don't, we don't do endorsements of the issues or, or of candidates. Our goal is really just to get as much information and as many of those voices out to you, the voters as possible, so that you can make your, your best choice. Unfortunately, there were a couple of uh, incumbents that that didn't want to participate. So we apologize that, that, that we didn't get to get you their voices and uh, we hope that that's something you think about. As, as you go in, Jason, let's do a couple, a few quick news and notes. One hey, guess what? Farmers Market is back this weekend.
1: Woo! Although, is it the downtown Farmers Market anymore since it's been moved? I know it still is. The ah, downtown Farmers Market. It's still the downtown in, Farmers in Market.
0: A, but you have to drive a little bit south.
1: Yeah, you got to drive a little bit south, and then you have to drive through. That's the other big key to this whole thing As you as you do that. Um, this Saturday, uh, on the 30th, it will be at Abundant Life in their parking lot, and we're going to be doing it there for a little bit, uh, for a good while, I think, while we work through all this the stuff. The foreseeable future. The foreseeable future. Um, so thanks to the uh, the people at Abundant Life for offering up their their parking lot to allow this to happen in a socially distanced and, uh, and safe, lower contact way. Um, go to downtownls.org. Um, all the maps and all the information you need will be there. But you want to get those fruits and veggies. I know that we've been very much into that um, in this as, as the things have shifted. We always love going to the farmers market anyway, but now it's been something we really, really want to do. Um, and and this is a I'm glad it's coming back in some form for us to get through.
0: We already hinted a, a little bit. We talked a little bit about about the you know, the ongoing pandemic issues it looks like Jackson County is set to move into phase two of its reopening plan on June 1st. Now that is subject to health department clearance and, and progression of the disease. So we'll, we'll see how things go, but it, it looks like the County is ready to move into phase two of its reopening plan, which, which generally means that many of the places that, that have been allowed to reopen already We'll get to up their occupancy to around fifty percent, right? Uh, and so
1: we'll we'll see where that is. And keep in mind, Jackson County throughout this has, especially since they have sort of stopped moving in uniformity with the the other parts of the core four: Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, jo- Johnson County, Kansas, uh, has been kind of late on their announcements of when these are things so keep your ear out at the end of the week um as they look at the way that the numbers are moving and and how testing and all those other bits and pieces are going um, keep an ear out but in the absence of anything else uh any other news phase two starts on on monday so you should look for that as you move into june yeah so that'll take a lot of our restaurants i think from 25 up to 50 percent capacity which will open up some more tables more access to, to, to a fewer things and hopefully a little bit more uh, work for some of the people who have probably been affected by the pandemic.
0: And as we wrap up this opening segment of the show, just one last quick reminder, election day, Tuesday, June 2nd, hit the Jackson County election boards, website, jcebmo.org to find out where your polling location is because chances are it's moved.
1: Mine had moved. So I I got the notification in the mail and uh, looked at that and, knew i have to go somewhere else but uh, they, they we'll,
0: did hit the mail the last couple of days so so look for that or or go over to the website yeah
1: you can go to the website you can enter your your basic information your name your address and your uh, i think like the last four of your social or your phone number or something and they'll they'll get that that information will pop up tell you what where you should be voting on the second make sure you get that so you can get, you can get there and vote
0: All right. Well, we are going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors, and then we will be back with our conversation with Ryan Murdoch from the Lee Summit R7 Board of Education to talk about that upcoming bond issue, and then come back on Friday as we wrap up our election previews. We will talk to everybody on the other side.
1: Hi, I'm Jane Munro, owner of Embrace the Grape and District 4 resident. Donnie Funk has my vote for City Council, and here's why. Donnie's time serving on the Planning Commission, his experience in the construction industry, and his work as a small business owner has given him the insight we need on City Council. This means that Donnie knows the questions to ask to get accountability for our tax dollars. Donnie Funk is a strong advocate for public safety and will work to ensure police and firefighters, along with all city employees, are well cared for. Join me in voting Funk for Four. We are here with Ryan Murdoch, a school board member with the Lee Summit R7 schools. Ryan, how are you?
2: I am fantastic. Thanks That's for having good. me. We have, Welcome.
1: We have asked you to come in to talk about well, I mean, really, we just want to spend a lot of time digging through uh, former employee contracts. And uh, no, I'm sorry, we're going to talk about the bond <laughs> issue. Uh, we wanted to get uh, we wanted to get a school board member on to give a little bit of background and some depth of information that goes what beyond uh, us two dummies have uh, postulated on our podcast a number of times. Well, so. really,
0: it's it, it's a big cheesecake factory sized menu. So we thought maybe somebody that was you know smart and actually in the know. Should come on and, and and talk a little bit about well all what all of these things are. Well, I'll make sure and call one of the other board
1: members. Yeah, I was going to say sure that, they in in absence of that we have someone in the know. But, <laughs> right. uh, no, 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 Ryan. We know you. We know you have paid close attention. We know you're on top of this sort of thing. So we're going to do this. So let's just talk a little bit about the bond issue, kind of in broad, and then kind of break out some of the major pieces and, and talk about those.
2: Sure. Let's do it. All
1: right. So let's start with. Well, let's start with. Uh, I guess we'll start with the maximum controversy. Uh, upgrading Mason now. Uh, the maximum controversy, of course, is the the plan to build a fourth middle school, and then the stuff that comes with that. So let's talk a little bit about why, um, what what that money is what is going to do, and and how it how it's going to work out.
2: Well, I think when we started uh, discussing whether or not we needed a fourth middle school, the very first thing we had to decide was. What is the appropriate level for sixth graders? Should they be in the elementary school? Should they be in the middle school? And I think that that's where the discussion really started and stemmed from. And ultimately, after numerous committees met that, that included district staff, community members, and then ultimately um, teachers and counselors, the recommendation from them was is that the sixth graders are going to have an enormous amount of opportunities um, if they go to the middle school, as opposed to staying in the elementary school, the added benefit to that, obviously, then is we create some space, obviously, in the elementary schools that we already needed. But I think it's important for people to know that that wasn't the driver of the decision. Right.
1: So, Ryan, I, on that thing, there was a lot of it. It was an interesting thing when we looked at how the the responses were. There was a lot of concern expressed when this um recommendation i think was first brought forth well before the bond issue part how do you address how did you address the the concerns that were raised mostly by parents i think who hadn't been involved in the process but how would you how did you address those concerns about moving people's precious 6th grade babies up to big evil middle school
2: i think i think the first thing you do is is you do evaluate who is giving the feedback right and what is the actual feedback for why they didn't want their sixth graders to be going to middle school so even if you went through all of those survey results what you would actually see is the parents are saying they're only going to be kids once right they're only going to be able to or we can only protect them in the elementary school setting that's where they're protected the most and then if you go in the survey and you look at teachers and counselors and other people who were a part of these exploratory committees all of a sudden you get a really different picture and the board members i think saw that in that the sixth graders socially and emotionally will do just fine in the middle school the research supports that Um, it supports the efforts to include them in more activities more clubs more courses and quite frankly one of the other things that we addressed was two years in middle school, is that a good transition period to get them into high school? You know, so now all of a sudden you get the sixth graders into um, a middle school setting, and now you're giving them three full years to transition into the high school. I think that's going to be a really big deal, and we've heard that from a lot of parents even once we made the decision is after they thought it over, you know, those three years are going to be really important instead of just a flash in the pan in seventh and eighth grade, and they get shuttled onto high school.
0: You are you are uh, father of elementary kids as well. So, uh, were you able to bring that perspective in? Did you let that happen, or did you kind of try to separate as a board member your your perspective as an elementary dad versus perspective just just as a board member? I mean, kind of how did you play that?
2: Well, it's it's impossible to not consider it as an elementary parent, right? And my kids will be the very first kids. Um, Who will be in the middle school with sixth graders now mine will be in seventh grade at that particular time So they'll be the last group of sixth graders um, in elementary school should the bond issue pass Um, But there was a lot to consider and of course my kids were excited about it because it meant even some of their friends who are a Grade below them will be coming with them and the transition period might actually be be a little bit easier for everybody Because kids are going to know each other as they go from one building to the next I think that that actually uh, will be beneficial but all that to say, I did have to still consider it, try to separate that as a board member versus a parent and say, is this what's best for all of the sixth graders in the district? And will it benefit us in the long term? And I think it does.
1: Good. Well, I guess we'll we'll roll this into, I think, probably the what comes right off of that. If we're going to build a whole new middle school and we're going to move the sixth graders up, obviously there's a lot of work that needs to be done to the existing middle schools. And so one of the items on this at a i guess listed approximate cost of 25 million dollars was to to do some renovations to make that happen so what are those renovations going to look like roughly and and what um how does that what does that matter to our district people
2: well, the renovations, first and foremost, are still, some of them are still in the design phase. And I think that that's important for people to to keep in mind. Um, but we're going to add, you're going to be able to add new security features and entryways for all the buildings um, at the middle school. They're going to have added extracurricular areas to accommodate um, for the sixth graders. And then it'll also be kind of some purposeful renovations in terms of making spaces more useful as we bring more kids into the building. I want to be upfront, though, that none of the renovations that have been proposed necessarily are final yet, right? The design team um, that is working on them, the architects who are working on them, are still going through the final stages of that because we have to get the bond to pass before we can finalize all of those designs.
1: Okay, and so I guess that answers that question. I think one of the things that some people have come up with is like, well, I don't know what I'm voting on, right? That, that's a thing that you know, renovations at the middle schools mean something uh, about what that is. So your, your answer to that then is, Well, we have to get the approval before we can finalize the plans because we have to know much money we have to do into the process.
2: That's absolutely right. Now that we clearly have a a design idea for what we want to accomplish at each building but each building obviously is very different. I mean you walk into Bernard Campbell versus Pleasant Lee and the way that you're going to have to structure those buildings to make sure that we accommodate for the new sixth graders would be very different and so I think I hope people also understand you know that as renovations and upgrades occur to those buildings that we'll get different things at those buildings to make sure that it's meeting the needs of each one of those groups of students who's
1: coming into the building
0: it, it, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all not, for not each building. no not even
2: close
1: how, yeah. how dare you treat one child different than another that seems weird
2: well yeah. let's just give everything that every kid needs
1: how about that all right there we go winner <laughs> i think that'd make the bondage issue bigger <laughs> yeah no that, that's probably <laughs> true that here's probably my question
0: true. could it be bigger? <laughs> a school building wait um. uh, one
1: school building for each child that
0: would be expensive i think so and not very much fun for the kids either no they wouldn't get a lot of together time that is true that is true well let's talk uh, let's talk a little bit about about then that security you just brought you just brought up that that's that's a consideration as you're doing upgrades to the middle school as you'd be building a new middle school security is a big part of this through all of the schools i know a lot of it's going to be at a few specific things but but what for people that want to know exactly what that means on the menu, how, how, how do you kind of explain that?
2: Well, the first thing I want people to probably understand within the community, and I think there is a misconception going around in the community right now that we're only putting $3 million into safety and security um, initiatives because they see that as one particular point within the bond issue. What I would say to that is that's in and above what is going to be going on with safety and security features in each of the other bond projects that are going to be going. So, for example, when we're going to build an all-new middle school, safety and security features are already a part of that, right? When we're doing stadium upgrades and doing some of those things that we have at $19 million, that's a part of safety and security within those issues. So there's a lot more money in this bond issue for safety and security than just what we're seeing within those $3 million.
1: All right. Well okay, so let's 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 talk a little bit about uh some of the older buildings in the district. Um we'll start with Mason Elementary, as I said before, clearly the most uh controversial thing here to expand and renovate that school. <laughs> uh, let's talk about why. I mean, you know, people that that's the part of the district that uh serves Lake Latawana and and a lot of the people over there are I guess we'll say they, they're, they they enjoy that part of that for its own unique identity, and you're, you're going to put a lot of money into that school. What's that going to do?
2: Well, I think first off, let's start with, with that feature that we do have, and we've had a lot of people question why Mason um, and, and not. I don't think people are questioning why Mason. I think they're saying why Mason and another building. Like, for example, we'll have people who want us to renovate Greenwood Elementary School since it's an older building, has some of the very same needs. I agree with that, right? I agree with that. Greenwood is older; it does have some needs, but it's needs that we hopefully will be able to fulfill through our capital improvements projects as we go forward in the next few years. Mason has to get upgraded because they are projected to be 400 kids over enrollment in 10 years from now of what their building capacity actually can do, and so that the,
1: seems like more. That seems like a lot.
2: That is a lot. That is that is a lot, and and they already are at about 110 percent capacity right now. Um, Whereas a school like Greenwood is sitting at 85% capacity. And so when we looked at Mason, or the CAC committee looked at Mason and made that recommendation, they know that there is the capability to close that building off and essentially make it a square. I don't know if you're familiar with the layout of Mason Elementary School, but right now it essentially is a U, a U shape. And by closing off the other end and creating what essentially would be like a whole new hallway of classrooms and stuff like that, we can increase its capacity um, dramatically, um, keep that neighborhood together, which they kind of wanted to do anyway. Those people, The people at Mason were pretty clear that they would like to stay within that attendance boundary, so we're doing the best we can with that. Clearly we're not going to please everybody on this, but Mason was the one elementary school that had a huge enrollment spike, was projected to have a huge enrollment spike, and had the ability to have
0: a major renovation. Tell me a little bit about the I, I guess the process behind getting to that, to where 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 you get you can need whittle it down to here's the one that is more in need now. Compare compared to the others. What's that? I, I know there was a lengthy process through the, the CMFP. I got it right that time. Yes! yes. I don't, we don't <laughs> want to count how many times I got it wrong. Actually, um, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but so I know that was a big process. And we've talked a lot about it, but, but maybe just a real quick kind of brief refresher of, of what that was and the process to get there.
2: Well, you're right. The CFMP was the initial driver, right? So we got all of the uh, projections and stuff like that for all of the elementary schools, all the middle schools and all the high schools. So the CFMP is the driver. After that, after the initial CFMP phase one was done, then you have the community groups and community engagement sessions that centered around what should we be looking for in the bond issue. And literally, we're talking hundreds of people that were involved in the engagement sessions, the planning teams, the research teams. And ultimately, all of that information then got pushed uh, together and given to the Citizens Advisory Committee, or the CAC, as most people know them in the community. That group, which is still a pretty large group um, of individuals, and that's community members, that's teachers, that's administrators, and then two board liaisons are on that committee as well. Then it was their job okay, now we have 40 projects that we want to do. What are the projects that are the most needed and what can we financially handle in this particular bond issue? So on Mason, I think that one was pretty high up on the list. Um, That's me as one board member saying that, by the way, because we knew where the enrollment already was with Mason. We knew it was spiraling just upwards and we had to do something um, to alleviate the concerns um, that were going on at Mason All the projects, though, that ended up getting selected are absolutely needed. I mean, we could probably talk about every project for 30 minutes, you know, about the needs of that particular project. But We have our next podcast series. (laughs) right? Right, but we really did have, I mean, the CAC is who ultimately, as a combination of our community teachers, administrators, and board, came together to make that recommendation to the full board, and it was their job to send us that particular recommendation.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, thank you. And I think that's a guys. That's a nice illustration about some of the choices. You know, w- I mean, it's not like Greenwood versus Mason, like Winnebago versus. Not at all. Latawana. It's a rumble. We're gonna start a f- street. We, fight. we can't have like a paintball fight. It's, it's and, gonna. No, I the think the we should.
0: Elementary gets gets to the bottom. No,
1: no, no. I want, I want like a turf fight between the two big, those two big lakes communities. Hi. I and feel like there should be a
0: West Side it. Story, a little dancing, <laughs> yeah. little fake knife fight. Yeah. When
1: you're a lot of wanna, you're a lot of want <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. All
0: right. Now I, mean, I just we, need. We, s- we apologize. For I that,
1: need bro. someone to write the musical for it. There we go. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about calling Ben Martin. Ben Martin. Ben Martin. Yeah, our Lake A Lot Wana West Side Story. There's what we want. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about like one of the other older schools uh, buildings in there, and that's Lee Summit High. High school. Um, this is, I think, the the biggest single ticket in the listing of things here. So we're putting a lot of money in there. Um, tell me why.
2: Well, one, it absolutely needs it. Let's Fair. just start.
1: Let's just start with that. Well, that's
2: there, a that's a sta- the, that's that's conclusion statement. I want reason. I mean, I mean, I mean that's that's a, that's an easy one to go, but. All kidding aside, Lee Summit has um, not only some issues in terms of its infrastructure within the building that needs to get corrected. It has essentially some safety and security issues that we can alleviate by creating a better traffic pattern for all of the students. Um, The way that they are, the campus feel, and you walk from one building to another has always been an issue in terms of making sure that students are able to get safely from one building to another, so creating um, or eliminating what currently is Um, that Eastern breezeway that goes down from their auditorium down to, I can't remember if it's building a or B. Um, but you would have to. If I there's mean, not a sign literally pointing to right, the building, I have no right. idea where to go. And I've done my very best to learn every <laughs> single outlay of every building. But um, the the end result is, is by redoing um, the format of Lee Summit High School, it not only will allow for students to have a safer um, walk and or be able to go from building to building, from class to class, but it's going to give it a major overhaul. Not only what you see off of like 50 Highway, which is going to be big too, um, but the inside as well, you know, media center. Um, you're going to get um, a refurbishing of all of the, I mean, true innards of the building are going to get um, a, an upgrade, which is something that it has needed for a long, long time. And I think the other big thing, and it's not rolled into that project, and so I think it's it's worth mentioning, is that, you know, if we can get this done, Lee Summit High School, baseball, softball, finally have fields. Now we get right? there. I mean, look, so that's a, we finally like talk
1: about sports? Let, let's literally, I mean, that Nick is, has been agitating for this for a This okay. is what high let's school
0: and, and school School districts are all about—it's the high school sports, right? No. Oh, oh, hey, that it was is, it. Wait a wait a whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, you gave It, him is, the a opportunity. it a, is a part. It is a part. About that, it's not that. all. That's
1: right. It is not all. <laughs> let us, let us, nerds, you know, have a well, moment here. Well,
0: first, uh, let's just start with this. First, let's just walk through the the. Athletic component of this, and and what we're what we're talking about, and and then we'll we'll kind of dig in a little bit about about why, because I think there has been some questions from the public about why this and why not other things, and I th- I, I think you might be able to again talk about balancing and, and weighing the different the different stuff.
1: Yeah. You have a
0: particular question you well, don't yeah, well, me to first, go after? First, let's
1: no, first. There, That was the perfect Nick interview question. He yeah. didn't actually ask one. Just right. talk. Let's <laughs> just talk.
0: No, let's start. Let's start. Let's start with first what what it is that we're actually the district will actually be doing if the bond is passed.
2: Okay, so the facilities upgrades. I mean, for lack of, I mean, just to keep it uh, simple, is new turf new areas around many of our sporting facilities and then new softball and baseball field, um, for Lee summit high school, which would actually be housed at the new middle school. Um, now currently they're at legacy park. And so to finally give them an area um, that they can call their own, to actually have an area that they can meet as a team, for example, even to have a locker room would probably be pretty nice right at this particular point. Um, more than that. And I know probably where the next question would go is, is what else do we get out of it? Well, I hope people realize the number of kids that use those fields that are not in sports. Band kids use them, okay? Gym classes use them. The community goes and uses these fields, these tracks, all that kind of stuff. So when we resurface those things, that also becomes a huge benefit. And then I'll end with the final point, which is the fields needed to get replaced anyway, they were on, at the end of their life cycle, um, and they were going – or they will get replaced one way or the other, I suppose. So um, this is something that needs to get done, um, and it is a benefit to, I mean, literally thousands of students.
0: And, and I think – Well, be- I, first I want to know is how, how many how many wins does a new field equal?
2: Right. I I believe it's uh the, the over under right now is eleven. Okay. Three state titles. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what that's right. what I wanted to hear. Three state titles or <laughs> bust.
1: Okay, so well I think it's to be clear that the you know, the other two high schools have dedicated baseball and softball space for their students, for those athletes, right. student athletes, and you and we're creating essentially parity. Correct. For that at Correct. that point. Yes. So it's not like we're just like we're not we're not some small town in Texas building a fifty five thousand seat. 20 million dollar stadium for for their well whatever <laughs> like i'm just trying to pick numbers here <laughs> he's, he's probably accurate that that was a that was a low go 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 look mckinney school district right Twenty-eight seat 55 million dollar stadium that's probably better than the other way around but anyway there we go okay so let's uh we got i think we were almost all the way through i think the last big item was the second early education center uh being created so i guess uh, Explain to me why we need that, and then why is it going at Prairie View?
2: Well, let's start with the first thing, which is it is needed because we have a large wait list of kids for the Great Beginnings program. And I think if you would talk to the majority of the board members, community members, administrative team, this is um, one of probably the most important items for our district, regardless of any bond issue, regardless of any other thing that we're doing within the district is, can we expand our early childhood program? Because if we have dozens of kids on a waiting list, then we automatically are already kind of putting ourselves behind the eight ball um, for kids who need services and then enter kindergarten without having gotten those services. So it's ultimately probably a higher cost to our district in the long run um, than it would be if we can figure out a way to get all the kids' services who need them um, through the Great Beginnings program. Secondly, why Prairie View? Well, Prairie View is a double elementary school. Prairie View is also under enrollment um, and is projected to stay under um, the enrollment for that particular building, actually well under that um, enrollment number. And so, what you can, can I can do, I interject real yeah, quick absolutely.
0: as to what you mean? A double elementary.
2: Yeah. Um, so an element, it's actually two elementary schools essentially in one building where there's two common areas, the spokes that come off of Prairie View, um, where you almost could chop the building in half and have two elementary schools that have all of the facilities necessary um, to run an elementary school, two media centers, all those kinds of things. And so the thought was, is if it's going to have a below capacity enrollment, it is a perfect candidate to then take part of that school and house more early childhood you also keep it pretty close to great beginnings right and so if we need any resources to flow between the two buildings you have that capability which is a little bit easier than if we tried to build either an all-new early childhood center or if there had been there had been some talk about trying to put early childhood into some wings of different elementary schools throughout the district which also becomes a little bit of a problem because that puts extra um, responsibility on the principals and stuff like that at those elementary schools who may not be um, equipped to handle those early childhood needs.
1: All right. So you're saying that Prairie View Elementary is sort of uniquely qualified of the Very uniquely schools. qualified, yeah. And I, I wanted to kind of follow into this is that – you the district has an idea of what a an elementary school should consist of in terms of like volume of students and spaces and things of that nature. So when you say double elementary school, it means it has like a duplication of those services. That's of correct. That's okay. correct. Yes. So I just wanted to that I, I wanted to put it in nerdy enough language for me, Nick, <laughs> um, to to make me happy as a whole. Okay. So let's. Um, are there any other the projects? I don't think I think that's all the projects we have covered now. I don't think we left anything out. Which is rare for us, but only because I'm sitting here looking at the like, list
0: again. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look at the, uh, the the smart guy we brought in. No, you you did you we, did hit them all. You did hit them all.
2: All right,
1: and so we we, and we talked a little bit about the process, and and I think sometimes people don't you know, especially when they're not hyper engaged uh, with what's going on with the district, they're not on the CAC or on the CMFP uh and see look at that the, you know. very nicely uh, done very nice uh you bet you bet anytime i can rub that in your face i'm gonna do it from here <laughs> forward uh anyway uh we've gone through that if they don't sometimes these bond issues or these big decisions you know hiring a new superintendent which we are not talking about today thank you um and oh, wait uh, a wait, minute wait, wait. he doesn't want us
0: to oh now we're going now. <laughs> um
1: that wasn't why we brought you so we're not, we're not going to spring that on you at the last second anyway but deal with that so let's talk about a little bit more about the process about when was the genesis of the decision of the start of the you know the start of the process to make that? When was that? How long ago was that process?
2: Are you asking for the genesis of the bond issue decision? Oh well, re- I think
1: the genesis of uh, I mean you you talked about the C, the CMFP right? We had that project going on in in the back you know way back. It's been a couple three years or mm-hmm. I don't know. You may know the date exactly, but uh, it, it starts back there, right? It's not that this process came. It did not spring forth fully formed from the forehead of uh, Julie Doan or anything. It, it, it is uh, it is a thing that has worked. Worked it, in the background. It has,
2: and I would say probably for the bond issue question, you're talking probably an eighteen to twenty four month process that we've that we've gone through. Um, when I first started on the board, um, they were in the beginning stages of coming up with. You know will we need a bond issue or should we do a bond issue uh, in April of 2020 now they may have already had discussions about it even prior to me starting on the board that's that's something I obviously can't speak to what I do know is that once the CFMP um, exploratory teams and I'm talking about even before we started the public engagement sessions um, once those teams of administrators and teachers and community members started to meet I think it was pretty clear that we were going to need a new bond issue coming up here in 2020 and so that kind of kicked off the process that would have been kind of the the starting process there of then starting to figure out okay now what are our needs so you let the cfmp process play out because it does the demographics for you um so that we can figure out the enrollments. It allows us to figure out what are the needs, for example, at Mason Elementary School um, and some of those other buildings throughout the district. Um, You make sure, and I do think we have done a good job on this, by the way, of making sure that we allowed the community to give us input um, as we went through each step of the process. So from the initial engagement um, of community administrators and teachers, the engagement through the CFMP process to let us know what people thought needed to get done, and then, as we went into the CFMP phase two recommendations, then we also held the community engagement sessions um, surrounded around the bond project to ultimately lead to the citizens advisory committee getting all of the information and giving us a recommendation.
0: Now, obviously, you are you are here as a board member, so so you you are supporting this issue, and, Very and you are hoping that, that you can convince people what do you what would you ask people to consider so as voters in the community are weighing this and trying to trying to figure out what they what their voice is going to be what, what what do you think you you want to ask people to consider?
2: Well I think the first thing is is to consider how does this impact our entire district? And sometimes it can be really difficult to not silo yourself within your individual school or your individual neighborhood. And I only mean that to say, you know, there's going to be some people who are disappointed that their school isn't on the list to initially get some of these um, upgrades and renovations and stuff like that. But what I would ask the community to do is to think through, if your kid is in elementary school right now, for example, like mine are, My kids are going to benefit from the upgrades that are happening at the middle school. They're going to benefit from the athletic facilities, upgrades, all of those things are still going to benefit my kids, even though it's years down the road. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that I hope people will ask questions, right? We have a lot of people who have already sent us things saying that we're misleading them by telling them that it's a no tax increase, right? But it is a no tax increase. It really is. Our tax levy right now for debt service is a dollar and seven cents. You vote for the bond issue in April. It's going to be a dollar and seven cents. If you don't vote for the bond issue, it's going to be a dollar and seven cents. Right, and that'll be true next year and the year after. Right, until we would pay off even our current bonds. So, um, it's those kinds of misconceptions that I hope that we can make sure and kind of bring out and let people know what the correct information is. Because I think in the end. If you just look through the lens, is this good for the entire district?
0: It absolutely is for all 18,000 kids. I think you, you just talked about, about information and trying to clarify that. But I, th- I think another thing that, that, that you might hear, and, and this is based on, on the last several months, right? There, there's been some consternation and some drama in and among the school district. Part of your job as a school board and part of the job as a school district is, is to ensure trust. Right. And so I think there are people that have asked the question and said, hey, why would we vote for yes for this? Because we don't feel like we can trust you. There's even I will even say a guest columnist for LinkedIn Summit had put out there, hey, the, the big thing is, can the school board, can the school district prove prove that they are worthy? So how would you how, how would you as a member of that board? And I don't want you to try to speak for the whole board. I won't put that on you yet. <laughs> but I mean, you know, just for yourself as a board member, how do, how do you think maybe you would you would respond to
2: that? Well, I think the first thing I would say is the lack of trust that some people have in us was it was it well earned, right? Did did we earn did we earn that skepticism or was that also a product sometimes of a little bit of misinformation? And I would say it's both, right? Because there's times that the school board in the last few months, let's say a year, uh, to, yeah, to, we I think right, we can go back twelve months, right? Twelve months okay. is, is probably perfectly fine at this particular moment. Um, you know, there were times that we probably brought. Some of this heat on ourselves. That's that, and I think that's a fair statement. And obviously, this is me talking right now, not the other six board members. That's my opinion. No, no we are putting these words right. in there. That's right. So, well, you know, we would want to make sure, right? So, we, we'll earn them then. We, that's what's that's right. right. <laughs> that's right. So, I, th- I do think we brought some of that heat on ourselves. I think we brought some of that skepticism. That being said, When we look at the bond issue that's coming up, the community hopefully is going to realize that the board members received a recommendation, that this is a community recommendation that was given to us as board members. Now, did we get to go through it and ask questions and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Yes. We had a a presentation on it. We got to ask questions, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, this is the community's and the district's recommendation, and the seven of us as board members looked at it and went through it with a fine-tooth comb and said, this is a great recommendation. We're going to push forward with it. And I do think in the last few months we have done a better job as a school district um, of pushing things forward that need to go forward, and I'm hoping that we can ensure that – it, it passes here in April.
1: All right, so I'm going to ask the I'm going to ask a, a more pointed question. Um, the The buzzword that has run around the district over the last couple of years is equity. So, give me the sell me since you're very supportive. I believe you use those words of this issue. How does this bond issue serve equity in the district?
2: Well. I think first and foremost, it absolutely meets the definition of equity. Does everybody, does everybody in the community know what the definition of equity is, right? Which is we're going to give students what they need or meet students where they are. You know, some people, when we talk about equity, always confuse it with the word equality. So are we, with this bond issue, putting forward the projects that are going to be most needed for students throughout the district? And we are. So, you know, while, yeah, some students, you know, or parents may feel that their school is getting slighted just a little bit, I don't think that that's accurate. I think that we are absolutely advocating on, on behalf of equity in the district because we're, we're taking issues that are most pressing and most needed for the students in our district, and we're, we're addressing them. We're acting on them.
1: Cool. Well, all right. So there, there's your your equity sale because we. I, I points don't
0: points for working
1: that in. Right. Well, hey, look. I'm I'm. Hey, I'm it's si- an impo- It's an important I'm, question. I hey, am putting the bar right. down. All nine of the candidates who are planning are running for this thing. Believe you me the equity word will be used in your interview and, and we're going to have some conversations about it. I think that was at the top of our right list. There. Yeah, it's right there. So, I just wanted to make sure we got that in when we talked yeah. about it. Then I have I have one more thing for you. Sure. So, so, there are people who, you know, as we talk about the trust thing and I think you've kind of you've made an effort to adjust that, who feel like they still somehow were not able to participate in the process. So, between now and April and ongoing, Honestly, what is it that people can do? Because this is a big thing that we have here, Nick and I. It's like, how can you get involved? How can you make a difference in your community? What are things other than running for school board? Because that's closed now. What can they do? What can people do to get involved in what's going on in the school district in a more uh, direct way?
2: Well, the first thing would be is if they do really want to be a part of one of the school district committees, they can contact the district administration to be able to do that. You can actually fill out an application to be on the Citizens Advisory Committee if you want to get into the weeds on all of this stuff and help make some of those decisions and recommendations. So you you should sell, way to sell it. Way to right? sell it. Right. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? We've had tremendous interest in the CAC, and it continues to be a driver within the school district, and I think it speaks to a lot of the people who are serving um, on the CAC right now and we have a lot of new members on the CAC which is fantastic so we are getting some of those new voices People who just want more information about the bond projects or more information about equity, for example, there is absolutely no reason not to reach out to anybody within the school district or to email a school board member. We will email you back, or we should be emailing you back, or we should be sending you to the correct person who will get you um, the information you need. So you can have a direct line um, straight to the school. Then obviously, I would obviously recommend that you get involved in your local school as well whenever possible.
0: All right. Well, Ryan, I wanna thank you for coming out and answering our really, really, really hard questions. I know we we, we turned on the bright light for you. Also, I wanna I wanna say thank you. This is uh, Jason and I. This is our three hundredth episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. So thank you You're for welcome. coming out it and, fun. and this it was, was fun. this was how this is how we celebrate. We get nerdy with process and government and elections. And this that's w- fine. I like talking and to this is the debater, having, so. In
1: celebration we are doubling the amount of money we usually pay our guests. Yes.
0: Awesome. You, uh, okay, I see it. You Nothing get new, on the counter. You, you Excellent. Get two times zero. Right. You get you get two zeros after your zero. That's yeah. fantastic. There, there we go. go. At least there's a decimal point in there, <laughs> so that's good. Oh, I forget those. I don't do math. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ryan, thank you for taking the time to come and talk with us. We really do appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm going to give one more sponsor. Thank you, Jason. A big thank you to Shred KC, who has, for many, many months, they have helped bring the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast to the people of Lee Summit. And I gotta say this, they have brought the
1: general, the average fitness level of this podcast up by their mere presence. That's true. I,
0: I can live vicariously through those people. Because I have been dragging it down for many <laughs> more months than that. Hey, look, if you are ready to make a change, live your life a little more healthy, eat better, get more fit, go see our friends at Shred KC. They are the positive influence. And the knowledgeable minds that you need in your life. Tell them Jason Nick you. Yeah. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link2Lee Summit, or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. <laughs>